Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the first sermon in our church's On Earth as in Heaven series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. Well, thank you, worship team, and everyone for singing praises to God this morning. It's a privilege to be with you. My name is Chris Stallings. It's a privilege to get to be pastor and be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. We begin a new series this morning for the, uh, for the month of September entitled, Living on Earth as it is in Heaven. Living on earth as in heaven. The Lord's Prayer, many of you know the Lord's Prayer, in that Jesus asked God to bring his kingdom to earth soon and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And living on earth as it is in heaven can feel like a misnomer or a contradiction when you think about this fallen world that we live in or even these fallen lives that we've all lived. But followers of Jesus join in God's mission to live that way that models the character of God and brings the light of Jesus into this age. Live on earth as it is in heaven. So our key verse for this series comes from Matthew 6.10. This is part of the Lord's Prayer. I want to invite you, if you can see the screen, to follow along with me and read out loud Matthew 6.10. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This series, we're going to look at some of the character of following Jesus and what we can do to be a part of bringing a bit by bit heaven to earth. Today, humble living. Humble living. This is not a good one. Anybody love to be humble? No. But this week I had a little car trouble with my wife's Explorer SUV. Do y'all know what a wheel is? Y'all with me? Y'all know what a wheel lug nut is? You know the, the thing that it screws onto? It's very important for holding the wheel on. Two of them broke off on one of my wife's. I was like, oh no, that's not good. Well, after I overcame the fear that the tire was going to come off while we were driving, I began to wonder, you know, recently I had my tires, or had those tires rotated in balance. I wonder if the shop must have done something wrong because they don't just break. They're great big bolts. And now I began, I said, they could have over-tightened them and broken them. They could have left them loose and the tire vibrated and caused the metal to fatigue and break. And so I began to think, well, i got to take it back, tell them to fix it. And then I began to say, well, if they can't rotate and balance tires, what good are they going to do trying to fix it? And so you know what I'll do? I'll fix it myself. 
Why are you laughing? <laughs> and so I got the parts in Friday afternoon. Got back into town from a little short trip. Began to work on fixing the broken wheel lugs on my wife's Explorer SUV. And at that moment, I had begun to begin to experience some of the anger and me having to do this work because of what they did, or at least what I thought they did, right? Anybody ever act out your anger when you're doing something like that? Instead of like gently laying something down, you kind of sling it. Anybody? Just me? Or instead of taking the meticulous steps it takes to complete a job, you just rush through them? And I did all of those things. And in fact, when I took one of the parts off, I kind of shoved it back up into the wheel well. And unknowingly at that time, it's shoving by, cut the CV axle boot that holds the oil in for the CV axle. So I continued to work, got up Saturday morning, finished the job. Got the lugs and put the tire on. It's all fixed. I'm good to go. And then there's some oil on the ground. I was like, huh. I didn't change the oil. I wonder where that's from. And I realized at that moment that in my hurried anger rush and fixing, I had cut that CV axle boot. And so I looked up and said, can you drive one without the oil and the CV? You're not supposed to. It starts making, does bad stuff. And so I looked up and now I've got to replace the, and I got the parts yesterday afternoon. Hundreds of dollars. I had big plans for Labor Day. Tomorrow's an off day. Anybody else changed your Labor Day plans for your new to-do list? <laughs> That's me. My pride in assuming that the tire place had messed up led me to angry work and mess up and cause even more damage than they did to begin with. Now it's, it's easy to think we're right. It's easy to think our preferences are best or better than others. I was reminded this week of a song. I was, I don't remember when it first came out, but it came out in the 80s, the 1980s. Y'all remember the 80s, right? It's from a guy named Mac Davis. I'm going to sing a few bars of it. <laughs> That's twice y'all have laughed when you're not supposed to. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble. When you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror. Because I get better looking every day. Y'all remember this song? To know me is to love me. I'm a heck of a man. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble. But I'm doing the best that I can. Y'all remember that? That was pretty good, right? And when you hear that song, or if you said, if somebody was singing it legit, you'd be like, that's a character flaw. To, to have that much pride and to sing a song like that. But it's easy to see that in other people when they kind of 
strut around or think too much of themselves. But it's harder to see that in ourselves, right? When it's my way, the highway, or I can do no wrong. And the key thing is that it leads us to be not good people. Right? It's hard to get along with somebody that would legit sing that song. Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, writes, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Humility is thinking more of others. So one of the key goals of humility or living the humble life is that you might be living in relationship or harmony or united with others. And that's a key value of being part of living on earth as it is in heaven. So let's look now to the book of Romans about how to live this humble life. If you've got a Bible, I invite you to open it up. If you've got an app on your phone, I invite you to turn it on. We're going to look at Romans chapter 12. And we've looked at Romans over the last few weeks, actually back into the summer several times. And we know it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in the city of Rome, written in the middle of the first century. And he's writing to establish or to clarify or to proclaim the righteousness of God and how those who follow Jesus might participate in that righteousness through their faith. Especially in chapter 12, he begins to convey what living like that means. In fact, he says, I want you to have a living sacrifice or to live as if your whole life is for God. Be a living sacrifice. And if we're going to bring heaven to earth, we can't just do a, a little bit of God. We've got to be all in for God. Paul lays out, first part of chapter 12, some examples of what that kind of life looks like. Don't be puffed up. Work well with others. Y'all remember the grade report in first grade? Plays well with others. Right? That came out of the Bible. Use all the gifts God has given the people and do it joyfully. And then he gets to this essential characteristics or value, what it means to have a life lived as a living sacrifice, love and humble living. Follow along with me. Romans 12, we'll read verse 9 down through verse 21. I'm reading the New Living Translation if you want to follow along. Verse 9, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them always be eager to practice hospitality. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud. 
to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Verse 17, never pay back evil with evil and do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Verse 20, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. They're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. Well, verse 16, the words there are, don't be too proud, and that means be humble. Right? And if we're going to be humble, we've got to follow or know the example or the character of God. Do y'all know this, that God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? You've heard that. If you've been through our member class, we talk about that. In fact, the, the book I use in our member class is called The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith. The authors share an illustration of how the, the Trinity relates to each other and how there can be three in one. They use this example of a chord on a piano. Y'all know what a chord is? So you take your thumb. No, I'm not going to play I figured you'd laugh at that too, Dale. Um, put, a, <laughs> put a thumb on the middle C, put your middle finger on E, and then put your pinky finger on G. And three distinct notes, if you play them all at once, become one thing, a chord. Right? So play a C and it's a, a thing, and if you play all three, it's a thing. Right? And so think of that as an illustration of the harmony of God or the Spirit, Son, and Father. Three persons, one nature. When that they model the, the perfect relationship, the perfect love and existing, and even the perfect sacrifice or submission. In fact, whenever you play a chord, it sounds better than just maybe a note by itself. But if you get it wrong, clank, Right? That's what I'd play like, clank. If you get it right, it sounds beautiful. And that's what God, Father, Son, and Spirit model for us. Listen to these words out of John 5. Where Jesus says, after he's done a miracle, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. You see that humble submission, that following, that working together is modeled by God in the Trinity. It's the greatest character quality we learn from God. Within our human relationship, especially those who follow Jesus, that's our goal, that unity, that harmony, but it requires humble living. When the community of followers of Jesus get that right, 
the astonishing things can happen. When we get it wrong, when it's my way or the highway or everybody's doing their own thing, it doesn't look that beautiful. Just like whenever a, if you've ever seen people that don't know how to play music and they all play it separately. So let's look at how we live humbly in our life. You've got a worship bulletin, paper copy, or on your phone. You can follow along and take notes that you might apply these to your life. Number one, humble living, love that's not fake. Love that's not fake. Verse 9, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. <laughs> Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. What does it mean to pretend to love someone? Anybody ever had a sibling? <laughs> Mama says, y'all get along? Right? Or the thought to come to my mind is two-faced. You ever known somebody that's been two-faced? You've probably known somebody. You don't think you've ever been that way. You probably have. Stuff like when she's around, you're nice or even complimentary. But the moment she leaves, you turn into the paparazzi or the gossip column or the social media blitz listing and saying everything that's wrong with her. That's two-faced. If that's you, hear this command from Jesus. Stop. <laughs> right? Don't gossip. Don't slander. Don't be nice to them in the person and then say everything the worst about them when they leave. In fact, Jesus says, you're sinning when you do that. I want you, if you've got an issue, to go to the person. In fact, he talks about this in Matthew 18. He says, if there's somebody that's done you wrong, it's sin. You need to go to that person and tell them, hey, you've done this. It's hurting. It's sin against me. And if they repent, Jesus says you've won them back and the relationship is restored. If they don't hear you, take two witnesses with you that they might hear from both of you. If they still don't, then you go to the church leadership that there might be resolution, right? And so Jesus says, if somebody sins against you, you go to the person, you don't. Anybody ever watch Peanuts? You remember the teacher? Right? That's what gossip sounds like, right? To God, he's like, what are you doing? Right? Stop talking about people. If you got something against someone, they've hurt you, they've sinned, go to that person. Stop talking about, stop being two-faced. Stop pretending to love people. Really love them. For some reason, God has left us on earth. I'm convinced it's to teach us grace by dealing with some people that are just hard to deal with. <laughs> you know that? You have those in your family, anybody? <laughs> right? Have those in your Sunday school class? No, don't do that. Some of you are like, I don't know anybody like that. And they're probably like, it's you. <laughs> right? You're the one. Rick Warren, pastor, author, writes, he says, there are just some people that are extra grace required. 
Extra grace required. Like you can't just function. It's going to take something for you not to just skin crawl when you're around them. Your solution for that is not to go, right? If they sinned, you go to them. If they don't, grow up. Pray. Ask God to show you the good in them. You need somebody to talk to about people that irritate you. You need a counselor or a confidant, somebody you can talk to about those kind of people in your life. But your solution is not to go gossip, get a posse, tell everybody in the church or on social media, what is this? Right? But make sure it's somebody that the meh, meh, meh stops there. And you work through those issues that you might provide that extra grace required. Or if you don't, at least the extra space required. Amen. <laughs> humble living, love that's not fake. Number two, humble living, believe the best of others. Believe the best of others. Verse 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So as much as it depends on you, live at peace with others. Humble living means living at peace. If you argue all the time, Jesus has a command for you. Stop. <laughs> right? So if you gossip all the time, stop. If you like to argue all the time, stop. Start believing the best and don't assume the worst of others. Pridefulness believes the best of yourself and assumes the worst of others. On the other hand, humility believes the best of others. The old book, I bet you it's 100 years old. Dale Carnegie wrote a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. He was a Christian, or he wrote from that perspective anyway, but it was a business book. He quoted Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said, Every man I meet is my superior in at least some way. In that, I can learn from him. If that was true of Emerson, isn't it likely to be a thousand times more true of you and me? So let's cease thinking of our accomplishments or even our wants and let's try to figure out the other person's good points. Humility is not you denying the good or suppressing the good God has given you to do. Right? Sometimes you're like, well, you're smart or you're a good leader or you're a good singer. And you're like, oh, I don't want to be prideful. And so you don't exercise that gift. God's not saying, don't do that. God's saying, remember from whom you got that. And remember, you got to work with other people in that. And then remember that others have a gift too. Right? That in that, you've got to exercise the gift and the calling God's given you. But do it with other people. If it's leading, lead. If it's singing, sing. But also make room for others who have a gift. If you acknowledge the leadership gifts God's given you, serve humbly in that and make space and empower others. Use their gifts. It's the Spirit's given them. Humble living, believe the best in others. Number three. Humble living, peace through 
sacrifice. Peace through sacrifice. Romans 12, 20 reads, Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. This verse is sandwiched between one in a, a verse in 19 that Paul says, leave room for God's vengeance, right? Your natural in the inclination is to take revenge, so don't do that. And it's a theme that's throughout the Bible. In fact, verse 19, he's citing a verse from Deuteronomy chapter 32 where he says, don't take vengeance, leave that for God. He continues on here in verse 20 to cite the wisdom of Proverbs 25. Your enemies are hungry, feed them. They're thirsty, give them something to drink. Show hands, anybody that's natural. <laughs> right? If somebody gossips about you or argues with all the time or some way other harms you, is your inclination to want to invite them over for supper? Or to sabotage them or shame them or shun them, right? And so this Bible passage is saying, look now, you're going to be tempted to do that because God knows your heart as a fallen person is going to be, I'd rather do all those bad things instead of have supper with them. So whenever you face that circumstance, remember that. Ooh, my inclination is to shame, son, and shamatage or whatever, right? I need to be intentional. I need to be willing to make even a sacrifice for my enemies. <laughs> if we look to Jesus, and if Jesus did anything, he modeled. He was genuine, right? Humble submission. When he was about to go to the cross... In Luke 22, he says, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. In that submission, he lived into God's plan of salvation for all of mankind. But in the midst of that, in his arrest, in his suffering, as he was facing the crucifixion on the cross, he said these words. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they are doing. Right? And so if we look to the life of Jesus and how we're to live, he's living into that. Right? He's sacrificing. He's serving humbly. He's even, as much as it depends on him, making peace with the enemies that are trying and do kill him. Bible teaches consistently, leave the ultimate victory for God to achieve, or do you forget the culmination of that first Easter weekend story? On the third day, he rose. Right? God's got a plan. God's going to work it out. Leave room for God to smite your enemy. <laughs> right? Peace through surrender of the enemy is God's to achieve. Peace through sacrifice is our role. So as you, as you go, 
I pray that you would live into these words from 1 Peter. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Humble living, peace through sacrifice. Let's pray. God, I'm amazed that you delight in us. Thank you for seeing us not for our imperfections, but as your child who delights in you. Help us never to lose focus on you, your guidance, or your love. We want you to be the most important part of our lives. Let us live humbly into that. That we may live in harmony with you and others that you've called to faith in Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.